Hey, can you hear me okay? Oh, good. I'm sorry, my, my daughter was attacking me through that whole worship service, so if I've got drool on me and stuff, it's all good. It's not me. Uh, I want to say a massive welcome to you all, uh, to those online. We love our online church, and uh, we're so excited to have you a part of us, and we'd love to get in contact with you as well. So if you want that email through, or if you want a phone call, we'd love to do that. We are in the middle of a series. We're one week behind, actually, our AM services. Um, and so we are looking in Jeremiah 18 tonight. So if you want to pull out your Bibles, maybe your phones, um, come and join with me. Um, and we're looking at one of these passages that I've clung to uh, so much throughout my life. Um, and it's been a, a pretty, I don't know, important uh, passage for me. And it's something you might be very familiar with. But it goes like this, Jeremiah had been told by God to go down to the potter's house and to actually sit and watch what the potter was doing with this lump of clay. And he says, God says to Jeremiah, as you are watching, I will give you a word to speak to my people. And so a bit of the backstory is that Jeremiah was a prophet and a prophet is, is someone who is called out by God to speak to his people. God would give him messages and he, Jeremiah, would be the mouthpiece. And now I want to just stop for a second because the Bible tells us and warns us that there are actually false prophets as well and tells us to be very, very discerning. Satan loves to use false prophets to speak uh, words that are untrue. They can sound so truthful, but are actually rooted in self. They actually bring much destruction. They normally bring guilt and oppression. They actually, in a lot of cases, it elevates the prophet to a, I'm on a spiritual level than you are kind of thing. And um, if, if you want to listen to a sermon, listen to uh, Pastor Peter Sweetman's sermon from this morning, an amazing sermon. But Jeremiah is not one of them. He actually has been sent by God to southern, uh, the southern kingdom of Israel. If you know a little bit of your history, uh, Israel split. And one part of the nation went to the north and kept the name Israel. And then there was another, the tribe of Judah or Judah, went to the south. And Judah was known as being more of a, a nation that was, uh, followed Yahweh, loved God. And that was what they were, they were known for. They had a heart for God, but they had come to a point where they had turned their back on God. That actually said, we, we don't want God. And so Jeremiah was born into this, this time under the reign of King Manasseh. And he was called to, to warn them to actually turn back to God. Now, in the Wearsby commentary, it actually says King Manasseh was one of the most evil men to have ruled uh, Israel or to rule Judah. And you can read that in Second Kings. And what he did is he, re, he seduced Judah to be more evil than past nations. When he dies, he passes this on to his son. And his son too chooses not to chase after God, but actually go in pursuit of himself again. And, and he turn, in turn continues his father's evil practice. And under his rule, we hear that Judah moved into worshiping other gods. 
They began adopting their own way of life. Idols were worship. Even children uh, were sacrificed as worship to gods. The law of Moses was pushed to the side. And this seemed to be a continual theme for the kings of Judah. Not, not all of them, but a lot of them. And so here's Jeremiah. He is, a reluctant, he is reluctant to take on this call. But God gave him these messages to the people which were, come back to God, he will forgive you. And he said, otherwise a nation is gonna come and take you captive. And this is where we get to Jeremiah 18, and it'll come up on the screens, but if you can follow along, I'm gonna do this from the New Living Translation. This is what we're reading into. It says this, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, go down to the potter's shop, and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me, and found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was, he was making didn't turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump again and then started over. When we were doing this, um, this series, it landed on Andrew Carnell and myself, this particular one, Jeremiah 18, and there was an amazing couple that we know um, that actually owned this. And this is actually a, a pottery wheel. And so they were so gracious to loan it to us for two weeks so we can get through this uh, part of the Jeremiah series. And um, I don't really know what I'd do with these things, all right? I'm not this way inclined. I'd love to be, but my wife would be, but I'm not. It's like a go-kart, isn't it? Um, Pottery wheels aren't too much different from what they were about 600 BC. Um, instead of electricity, there would have been a, a big stone wheel at the base. And the, and the potter, what he would do, or she would do, is they would actually put their feet on that stone and they'd move it. And then they could, they could increase speed or decrease speed as they needed to fashion this lump of clay uh, to become something that its creator wanted something that would be of use, something that had a purpose. And so I'll give this a go. I, when I first tried it, I almost shot it across the room. There we go. We're good. There's a bit of water coming off it, but we're okay. See, this is what Jeremiah was watching. He was watching this, this potter beginning to work, moving and, and shaping this clump of clay into something that the creator had envisioned. And pottery was so important at that time. It may not be so much now, but uh, it was used for cooking. It, it was used for storing food. Uh, it was used for carrying water. Pottery could have been used as art. It was actually used to hold precious oils and perfumes. And so Jeremiah watched as this craftsman using his very own hands, shaping it and shaping something that was actually so special, something that was unique, something that actually had a purpose. It wasn't mass produced, it wasn't made in a rush. Actually, great care was taken in shaping it. Obviously, I'm not touching it because I'd destroy it. But this is what the creator was doing, the potter was doing. It was unique. 
It had pre-planned what they were wanting to shape it into. And if reshaping it was required, well, the potter would then reshape it, crush it back down and rebuild it because the potter takes great delight. And what I know about you, if you read through that passage, if you understood what it was talking about, but the potter was who? The potter was God. And the clay is who? It's you and me. And as the days go by and it keeps spinning, as we're on the potter's wheel, God is shaping us with his own hands. You know what I mean? Things happen in our lives and he's constantly, his hands on us, delicately shaping us and using us. Sometimes it feels real fast and real rough, doesn't it? Sometimes, and this is the one I prefer God to do in my life is nice and slow and smooth. You know what I mean? I'm happy for God to continue that in my life, you know? And as Pastor Andrew mentioned so brilliantly last Sunday morning, he said this, and I'm going to read it. It says, you can see that the potter is in control. He's in control of the wheel and its speed. And just as the, the, the potter is in control of its wheel, so he is in control of your life. He's a, he's a sovereign God. And he has his eyes on you and he has his hands on you. And I thought that was an incredible insight that, that Pastor Andrew was saying. And it reminds me of this passage from Colossians 1, 16 to 17. And this is what it says, all right? And this is what it reminds me of. For through him, God created everything in heaven, uh, the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, which means to me it shows that the potter, God, sees a bigger picture than what you might see in front of you, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. And I love this. It says everything was created through him and it was created what? For him. Highlight that. Highlight that in your Bible. Because I think that's an incredible thing that says, for everything was created through God and it was created for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. I love this. What breaks my heart the most is when I see people, whether it's friends whether it's people I've journeyed with, go and feel the need to go and explore life in order to try to find life. And for them to come back and realise that they've got, they haven't been fulfilled. But maybe all they hold in their hands is just broken, painful memories. This is when Ephesians 2.10 says this, and this is what God says about us. For we are what? God's masterpieces. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Do you know that? Maybe that's for you tonight. Maybe if you understand that you are actually God's masterpiece. You have been made in God's image. And you know what that tells me about God? Why he takes such joy in wanting to be our potter? 
putting his hands on our life and shaping us. Because he, it shows that we are loved, that we are chosen, that we are his children. Do you believe that in your life? Has someone told you something different? This is the love of our great God. You're loved, you're chosen, you are his children. See, God may have gone and created all things, yes, but he has created you and me as his masterpiece for his glory. If we go back to the beginning of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1-5, this is what it says. I knew you before I formed you. You're not a mistake. You're not someone else's idea. But he formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, God said, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. I want us to know tonight that you are the image of God and God has a plan for your life. The planets aren't the the masterpiece. The stars aren't the masterpiece. The, The amazing mountains and the Alps aren't the masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece created for him or by him and for him, for his purposes to bring him glory. See, Jesus didn't just die on the cross and raise again for the planets and stars. He did that for you and me, that we could have a relationship with God, that, that if we... we Come and accept his son, Jesus, and we accept his forgiveness and we repent. Forgiveness and life is ours. Because God takes great delight in being our potter. He loves to work with the clay. But if you're anything like me, you sort of realise that it doesn't take long for it to actually become about self. You experience that in life? You mean it can quickly move to us being the main agenda and the creator is to the side. And how quickly we can begin to shape our life by our own agenda. What's our own agenda? You know, maybe it's something of I should or they shouldn't have or I earned that or I know better or it's my life. Maybe it's self-fulfillment, self-honor. Maybe it's building your life and your identity on things and finding delight in things other than God. Maybe it's you're consumed with your achievements or accolades or giftings or abilities or desires or your needs. Maybe we're hunting for other people's affirmations in our life. Maybe it's a pursuit to gain the dreams in our life that are becoming more important than God instead of actually coming to God and saying, God, do with my life as you choose for your glory and for your purposes. I mean, as I read this passage, it was beautiful how God just kept reminding me, remember, Jono, you are just the clay. In other words, John, anything he chooses to form you into, it's 
It's for his purposes. It's for his glory. That's his choice. A good marker of of working out if this is something you're going through is, are you content to be a kneeling figure of prayer in the shadows? If that's what God has laid as your call on your life. Are you okay if your childhood dreams that you've worked your whole life for don't come to being because God is reshaping you and God is wanting to use you in a different direction? Are you okay with that? Are you willing to give up self-pleasure and die to self to the potter's hands? And this is where Judah had gone wrong. And as we continue in, Judah, uh, in Jeremiah 18, we begin to understand why and what um, God, why God was impressing this image on Jeremiah's heart. Follow with me in verse five, it says this. Then the Lord gave me this message. O Israel, can I not do to you as the potter has done to this clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand. Israel, if, if I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted or turned down, uh, torn down and destroyed, but then that nation renounces its evil ways, I will not destroy it as I planned. I, I'm a gracious God. I'm for you, remember. And if I announce that I will plant and build up a certain nation or kingdom, but then that nation turns to evil and refuses to obey me, I will not bless it as I said I would. Verse 11 says, Therefore, Jeremiah, go and warn all of Judah and Jerusalem. Say to them, this is what the Lord says, I'm planning disaster for you instead of good. So turn from your evil ways, each of you, and do what is right. Listen to their response in verse 12. This is it. But the people replied, don't waste your breath. We will continue to live as we want, stubbornly following our own evil desires. See, Judah was more concerned with their own needs, their own desires, rather than simply being positioned as soft, moldable clay at the potter's wheel. They had no regards for God. Maybe we can see this reflected in our own lives. You know, maybe, maybe a few things like this. Instead of waiting patiently as he takes out imperfections and smooths out the edges and forming us into a vessel he needs, we come and say, God, uh, uh, that's good enough. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm, I'm going to, you take your time. I, you're too slow. I'm going for it. God, I want someone else to shape me now, not you. Maybe it's God, I, I don't like the way you're shaping me. I don't like what you're shaping me into. I I don't want to be a cup used in a household. I want to be an ornate vessel that sits in the banquet room. I want to be over there. I I want to have what they have. I don't don't want your hands on me anymore. And and Judah was at that point where they just were like, "We, we don't want to hear anything else. And this is their journey. I don't know if you've done pottery before. Has anyone done pottery? You want to be a few hands, be bold? I've done pottery before. Um, back in my early 
no, my late primary school, early high school, and the pieces I made, can I say, were so good that my parents threw them out. Um, no, no, I lied. They didn't throw them out. My mum would keep everything that I have. I think everyone else threw them out, including myself. So I didn't actually have anything to bring up here because I wanted to show you a piece of my artwork. And so last night, I uh, got some clay and I thought I'd rebuild one of my masterpieces. And so I, I brought it along tonight. Do you want to see it? You want to see it? Here it is. I heard that laughter. It was very evil. If I can find it. Here it is. You ready? It's a cat for those that didn't see it. Thank you. Yep. I said to Brie, actually, I said, what happens if this actually turns out like a really good piece of artwork? And she said, oh, don't worry. That's not, that is not going to be an issue. I'm like, thanks for the humility class. Um, the people at the 4 p.m. service actually came up and said, oh, it looked fantastic from where it was. And then they got closer. I don't know if you can see that. Um, my daughter was patting it when I got home from church this morning. <laughs> but I, on the other side, uh, I've got pottery that's made from, by a, a craftsman, a master. It's actually handmade in, in Portugal. And it's not like, it's not a masterpiece. Like, people aren't going to fly in to see this. You know what I mean? It's not going to be in a museum piece. But it's, it's perfect. It's how it was created to be. You know what I mean? It doesn't even matter about the externals. You know what I mean? The externals can be blemished. But it's what's, you know what I mean? Everything on it is, it was put together exactly how it is for a purpose. You know what I mean? A jug, it gets used for water. I mean, we've got two canisters that are actually exactly the same, but different sizes, but both happy to be used as they're desired and needed. And one thing that began to come to mind is the fact that we get so consumed with becoming someone else or taking the role of God or saying to God, I don't want you to mold me this way or being content with the way he is shaping us, what happens is we begin to look a little bit like my pottery, all right? It's for sale if you want it. You can go to our building projects. But it was shaped by someone who has no idea, really. Like apparently this thing can't even go in a kiln because it's a solid piece. Who knows that stuff? Not me. It becomes useless. You know, my, my other pieces probably sat under my parents' house or in a garden somewhere. And the same was with Judah. God gave a word to Jeremiah to give to Judah. And it had been on so many occasions, come back to God. Awake from your sleep, hop back on the potter's wheel. Surrender yourself afresh and he will shape you into his purposes. I will forgive you and I will restore you. That's why verse 6 says, oh, oh Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to this clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in mine. Remember, Israel, I was the one that formed you. It's not about you. It's about my kingdom. It's about God and his kingdom. 
the opportunities, the, the skill set, the job, the open doors, the giftings that you may have, the things that you have in your hands, the air you'll breathe are only yours because God has given them to you. What an awesome reminder to have. And, and Jeremiah said that God said to Judah, just as I can raise a nation, Judah, I can pull it down. And I, one thing I love as a, as a church is we're far from perfect. You'll know that if you've been here. But our heart is, as a church, as a, as a people, is to be constantly on the potter's wheel. I mean, this is why for us as a church, prayer and the word of God is held in such high significance. This is why we have prayer meetings across every morning of the week. This is why we extend, have extended prayer meetings with big decision, when we've got big decisions, why we pray into big seasons, why even as a pastoral team, we meet on a Tuesday and we, we pray in the morning. Teams get together. I've seen welcome teams praying. I've seen tech teams, worship teams praying. I've seen young adults praying. I've seen kids' ministries praying before their, their services. Why do we do this as a church? Is it because it looks spiritual? Is it a ticking of the box? No, it is actually us getting back up on the potter's wheel daily and letting him shape us into his purposes, into who he wants us to be. It's a leaving behind our agendas and saying, God, our agendas are there. If they meet your agendas, great. But if they don't, we'll keep shaping us. And this is something that I think we need to be doing every day. Are you okay with getting back on the potter's wheel daily and letting him shape you into his purposes and leaving behind your agendas? And tonight, if you're sitting here or you're watching online and you have a heart for God, but you are so aware of your failures, or you're sitting here starting to feel like, yeah, I'm getting pretty heavy about this. I'm trying to pursue God, but I'm so aware of how much I make a mistake. Well, that's not God's message for you. One of the biggest things I hear from people who follow Jesus, and it saddens me, but it's this, I've tried to follow God, but I'm just not good enough. I'm doing it, but I just keep failing, and I'm just, I've had enough, I can't do it, I give up. God doesn't want to use me. God won't use me. But listen to what Jesus says, if that's what you're thinking tonight. John 3, 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, through Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. It's not by works. So that none of us can boast about our spirituality. So if that's how you're feeling tonight, you say, God, I, I want you, I desire, but man, I make mistakes. I want to say that you're probably just sitting on the potter's wheel and, and God is moving and working in you. But see, Judah had a total disregard for God. 
That's what we, we heard it in, in verse 12. It said this, but the people replied, don't waste your breath. We will continue to live as we want, stubbornly following our own evil desires. And so Judah has its warning. Jeremiah, Jeremiah's message to Judah throughout the book was, you are a godless nation. You just need to turn back to God. You need to repent. He will forgive you. He will restore you. But you can choose your own path. And as we know, Judah is invaded by a nation to the north and is taken into captivity. There's a beautiful end to that story, which we will hear eventually. There's a warning for us as well. You've got a heart after God and you're pursuing God. Well, there's a warning for us. There's a warning for me. There's a warning for you. And, and this is it. As we pursue God, it's this. Do not let your heart be drawn to other things. Don't let it be drawn to self. Don't let it be drawn to opportunities. Don't let it be drawn to status, is of worth. Don't let it be drawn by hidden agendas. The Tyndale commentary actually says this, our society admires assertiveness, independence and defiance of authority. In a relationship with God, these qualities become stubbornness, self-importance and refusal to listen and change. Left unchecked, stubbornness becomes a way of life hostile to God. And God's call, God's reminder to us as, as people, if you are a follower of Jesus tonight, is for us to hop daily back onto the wheel, taking our hands off and allowing our creator God to begin to mold us. Surrender ourselves afresh to his hands, to his plans, to whatever his purposes are. Let him do the molding. He takes great delight in making you more like Christ. But many times through my journey, maybe from fault to my own, maybe from circumstances that have come across my path, I've wondered what God, has, God is doing when I, I've surrendered myself onto the, the potter's wheel and, and God's at work. God, God, what are you doing? Sometimes he's just plain awakening me. Sometimes he's forming and fashioning me and shaping me for another purpose, for a new season. Sometimes it's just a simply dying to self. Saying that's about you. And you've got to die to self and make it about me. Maybe it's simply just trusting. God is a God of grace. So I want you to know that. His mercies are new every morning. But... We need to be alert and know when, uh, be alert and know when things are about us and not about the Creator. I remember in one of my trips being in northern Israel, and there was a place called Megiddo, and it was actually quite a large hill. And I can get the, the worship team can come up and join me if they want. It's a large hill. It's actually a man-made hill. And it was a man-made hill because it was a prime spot for where people would come, build a civilization along a trade route. But what would happen is it was such prime territory that enemies would come in, uh, take it captive, burn it to the ground and rebuild. 
And this would happen over and over again till eventually it formed this massive, you know, hill slash mountain in a sense. And I remember as I was coming back down, Bree and I were coming back down, amongst the rubble, you could see all this different rubble that was there. And I remember I saw this little piece of pottery popping out of the dirt, and so I bent down and and pulled it out, and um, the the person that we were with, actually one of the locals, said, oh, that's a piece of pottery from probably about 2,000 years ago. And... Um, he said, you can, you can have it, you can take it, because you know, it was scattered everywhere. But you know what amazed me about this piece of pottery? It wasn't the thought of oh, what it had been used for, whether it had been used for elegant things, whether it had just played an everyday role in someone's life. It wasn't anything to do with that. The thing that mesmerised me was actually you can see the prints and the shapings of the craftsman's fingers, its hands, or whatever tool they were using. Like this, this piece was no longer in use. It, would prob- it had been used and its time had finished. But I reckon the person that created this had no idea that in 2,000 years later, there would be this Aussie guy that would come through, pick up a piece of pottery and be reminded of its creator. And so I took this home and I think about it because I'm amazed by its age, but what I'm more amazed by is it reminds us of God, doesn't it? The call on our life is that we've been created by God and for God and what God wants to do is he wants to leave his fingerprints all over us. You know, I mean, that's his heart. That's what he wants to do. You mean it's a a leaving a mark on your life that gets passed down through the generations. It's not looking at now and what I can have. It's actually looking at what God has for the future. What role is God wanting to play in you? That might mean dying to self. That might mean, you know, your pursuit that you've been chasing after and it's not coming. It might have been a childhood dream and it's not coming to, to the way you thought. But maybe God is shaping you because he has a different purpose for you. And he's saying tonight, get back up on the potter's wheel. That's the cry of my heart is, God, keep putting your fingerprints all over me. I mean, I'm not not perfect. God knows that. Because that's why the word of God says, John, while you're still a sinner, I died on a cross for you. This isn't about being perfect. This is about getting on the potter's wheel and saying, God, it's my life is yours. It's not about our achievements. It's not about what we attain in life. It's about God. And I don't know what it is for you tonight. I don't know if it's you've had total disregard for for God and maybe God is prompting you actually, maybe there is a God and maybe God wants to have a relationship with me and maybe God wants me to come and surrender before him. Maybe that is you tonight. Maybe you're in a relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit's prompting things. He's doing it to all of us and saying, hey, this area, I want you to get back up on the potter's wheel and I want you to let go and let me shape you. I want to put my fingerprints on you. Sometimes it's scary, but he's a much better craftsman than I am. He's a God of love. And I remember, you know, 
my dad passed down this word of, of wisdom to me, and, he, and it's this. In the squeezing of the potter's hand, just remember, the potter's hand has nail-pierced hands. When you're on the potter's wheel and you're like, God, what are you doing? Or can I trust you to get back up? Remember the hands that are actually himself shaping you are actually nail-pierced hands. What that means is he loves you so much that he was willing to die on the cross. God was willing to send his son for you and me. They're the most gentlest hands. They're the most wisest hands. They are hands that are full of love. And tonight, I don't know what God is saying to you, but he's saying something. And we're gonna sing a song in a moment, but I wanna create an opportunity and you don't have to do any of this. This is between you and God. It's got nothing to do with me. But maybe for the first time, if you wanna give your life to Jesus, in a moment when I pray, I might just ask you just to raise your hand. I'm not going to pinpoint you out. I'm not going to come out running after you or anything like that. This is a sign for you and God. Maybe for you, you're a follower of Jesus and you say, God, I, I want to surrender. I've made it about myself. Or maybe God has put his finger on an area in your life. He's saying, look, I want, to, I want, to, I want you to start working on that area. Who is better to have shaping your life? Don't get your life sorted and then come to God. Come and let the potter put his hands on you and begin to work you. And so we're going to pray. Will you stand? Jesus, you're, you're full of love and you're full of compassion. Hence why you sent Jeremiah to, uh, and to Judah, Lord a group of people who had turned their back on you, Lord God. And we, we read later on, Lord, your beautiful love that was poured out on them. But Lord God, you're speaking to us tonight. To each one of us, Lord Jesus. I want to pray for those right now that maybe for the first time they've never come to you, Jesus. They've never known they could have forgiveness. They never know they could hop on the potter's wheel and have the creator God begin to shape them, forgive them of their sins and begin to create them into who he has created them to be. I want to pray for us as a church, Lord, for us as individuals who follow Jesus. Lord God, I pray right now that we will continue every day, continually hop back up on the potter's wheel. Say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, may your will be done on earth and in my life as it is done in heaven. Lord, and as we take hold of your grace and mercy, Lord, we want to thank you in advance for how you're going to transform us and shape us, Lord. Even if that means you're going to shape us into something, Lord, that we, we thought we'd never go to. Maybe we had dreams that we've got to let go of and now take hold of you. And so, Father, I just invite you as we sing this now, I pray that you do a Holy Spirit work in our lives. Draw us to you because you're the God, the perfecter and author of our lives. And so I commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing, but will you respond? If you want prayer, one of the pastors will pray for you. Maybe you want to just come and kneel down the front. Maybe you want to sit in your seat. But let's sing. Let's hear what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us about.
I'm just wondering in this moment, uh, maybe there's a part of you that feels like, you know, I need to respond or there's something that you're withholding from God and He just wants to work in a part of your life. And I just want to give you an opportunity just to respond to Him tonight and just say, actually, God, I I need you to mould me and and just work in my heart and in my life. I I desperately need you. And and, and no one else knows, but you know deep in your heart that there's something you've withheld. There's, There's a part of your life that you need to surrender over to Him as we just sung these words, to surrender to Him. And you know what? Who better to surrender your life to than the one who loves you, who created you, who's got a plan and a purpose for your life. He's an amazing God. And I just want to give you this opportunity just to surrender to Him. You know, you know who you are. Uh, you know who you are if you need to, res- if you need to respond to Him tonight. Uh, I'm going to just pray. And you can just pray this prayer in your heart and in your mind in this moment. Let's do that now. Father, I, I need You to mould me. God, I've, I've tried to live this life in my own way and I want you to take control now. It's just not working out. And so I want to thank you for laying down your life. I want to thank you for dying for my sin. I want to thank you for rising again, overcoming death. And from this moment on, I want you to mould me, change me, renovate my heart that I so desperately need. Be Lord and Saviour of my life. From this moment on, I surrender to You. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Let's sing that one more time as we surrender to Him, the Great King. It's your kindness, it's your love, it's your grace, it's your mercy that leads us to repentance. How can we not worship you? 
Your incredible God, we're very, very thankful. Maybe just in this moment as we close, just want to just give Him thanks in your head and in your heart. Just thank Him. Just thank Him for aspects of your life in this moment. Father, we do. We thank You for the great God that You are. We owe everything to You, everything to You, great God. I pray, Lord, that as we go our separate ways, I pray, God, as we go about our week and whatever You've called us into, that we'd walk with, uh, walk with a, a gladness of heart, walk with a gratitude towards uh, everything You've given us, great God, that You would use our lives this week, that we would continue to put ourselves up on the, um, you know, to be used and moulded by Your hands, great God, we pray. And so use us this week, mould us this week, Father God, to who You want us to be. We honour You, Father. You're a great God. We love You. We worship You. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen. Amen. It's really important. Uh, if you want prayer at all, it's really important. We'd love to pray for you. So uh, don't go without being prayed for. But God bless you. Have an awesome week with whatever you're doing. Feel free to hang around afterwards and catch up and chat uh, outside in our courtyard area. Uh, but God bless you. Have an awesome week.